This is Talk Medicine with Rob Bennett and Michigan Primary Care Partners of Big Rapids on WBRN. Talk Medicine is a paid medical program which does not reflect the opinions of the management and staff of WBRN and the Big Rapids Radio Network. Welcome to Talk Medicine with Dr. Rashmi Junajer from Michigan Primary Care Partners in Big Rapids and also at michiganprimarycarepartners.com. I'm Rob Bennett and this is News Radio WBRN sponsored by Metron of Big Rapids, caring for people one person at a time. Today we'll, we're going to be talking about asthma and I can be truthful. I don't know that much about asthma. I I don't know. I've never had asthma. And how, what is it? First of all, what is asthma? Uh, I'll give you the proper diagnosis for asthma. It is the episodic symptoms of airflow obstruction uh, that are at least partially reversible. Uh, So the, so that means that the patient who has asthma could be wheezing, coughing. They may have shortness of breath. They may have chest tightness, pain, recurrent or chest rattling, uh, fevers followed by illnesses related to this problem. Now, when you have asthma, it, yeah, obviously it's tough to breathe. Is that the people that that have those inhalers? Do, do Does that go with asthma? Yes, that goes with asthma very much. It is uh, one of the most common treatments for asthma. And asthma, although it, it's not a curable disease, it is definitely... Uh, something that we can keep under control with proper medication and treatment. And and that was is what that's for. That opens yep. up the yep. bronchial that, tubes. Is that right? That's right. So there is what you're talking about is what we call a bronchodilator. So when you uh, take a puff of that, uh, that medication goes in the lungs. It relaxes the muscle layer of the alveoli and lungs open up and it's easier to breathe. There are also other treatment options, which we will talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is the most chrono- common chronic illness in uh, the country. There are about, uh, uh, statistically, one in 14 people have asthma, according to Center for Disease Control. Uh, so uh, according to the last set of data released, about 24 million Americans have asthma. Mm. So the number is astounding. Uh, it is not curable, but it is definitely a treatable condition. Is there is there a segment or somebody that is more susceptible to getting asthma? There are. Uh, it has it has been noted that it is much more common in African American population. It is much more common in Puerto Rican uh, populations compared to Caucasian populations. Also, strangely enough. Uh, in childhood, most of the time, asthma is diagnosed before the age of seven. It is more common in men or in boys before puberty. After puberty, it's equal in both girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the population ages, it is more common in women after the age of 60. So now, the statistics sort of go all over the place. So if you get it at age seven, you have it for a lifetime. There, it doesn't, it, or no, can it go away? It does go away. There are some children where, as they grow up, their immune system uh, becomes more active, and they are able to not respond to the different allergens in the way they did when they were children. So there is a subpopulation of asthma that does disappear as they become adults, mm-hmm. and so they can. 
still now if you have it as a child can you still play normally and stuff or if you have the medication yes most of the time uh, those children who are suffering from asthma have normal lifestyles of course they have if they have a severe or debilitating form of asthma then that may not be possible but that's a very small subsection about 5 to 10%. Mm-hmm. So 90% of children who suffer from asthma can still have a normal lifestyle. So if you have a child or if it's it's you that mm-hmm. are, you're thinking some of these symptoms would be like you said wheezing or you you have tough Coughing. tough time breathing. Yes, shortness of breath feeling of uh, tightness in the chest, feeling like there's a grip around your lung. It's almost like you're having a heart attack. It can be. Sometimes it can feel wow. like that. Yeah. But probably it, you don't have pain. You have more pressure and feeling of constriction versus uh, like an elephant sitting on your chest, mm-hmm. which is what commonly if you're having a heart attack you might feel. And is it something that you, obviously, you would realize it more when you're trying to do exercise or if you're out mowing the lawn or something like that? There are many different categories of asthma, and exercise-induced asthma is one of them. So there is a specific subcategory of asthma called exercise-induced asthma, and that happens because whenever the patient exercises or they are exposed to cold or certain factors, environmental factors, it triggers their mast cells to degranulate. And once these cells uh, sort of open up, then all these chemicals are released that causes the spasm and patients suffer from uh, exercise-induced asthma. So that's a little bit different than childhood asthma. Mm-hmm. And now if you had had asthma as a child, mm-hmm. are you? is it easier to get it? As an adult, again, or would you? Or you are not? probably a little bit more predisposed than somebody who never had asthma mm-hmm. in their entire life. And you can't, but there's. You said there's nothing that can be done about that. You just, if you get it, you just have to treat it. That's right. There's no one thing that'll cure it, but mm-hmm. there are so many different medications that we can keep it under control. And what are the goals of our treatment? The goals of our treatment is to uh, prevent the symptoms to minimize morbidity with acute episodes and to prevent functional and psychological morbidity to provide a healthy or near healthy lifestyle for that particular patient. That Mm -hmm. is our goal with the treatment. And what are some of the treatments that you can do besides the, we had talked about the inhaler. Now that opens up the the tubes. So there are many different kinds of inhalers, but for asthma particularly, we use bronchodilators. And these go in and they dilate the bronchioles. The most powerful bronchodilators are what we would commonly call Pro-Air or Zopinex. Pro-Air can be used every few hours if the need is there. Or we have something like Zopinex, which is much more long-acting. It's usually enough uh, for one dose is enough for the whole day. There are other inhalers as well, which are not as much of a bronchodilators as Things like albuterol are, but there are other inhalers like ipratropium that also help with bronchodilatation. Also, there are multiple steroid inhalers that the patients can use, uh, you know, that also help with dilatation and reducing the reaction of the lung. Mm-hmm. So steroid inhalers have a big role as well as the bronchodilators. Now, if you have asthma, are the uh, is an asthma attack, is it something that happens and then it's and then it's done after you say you take the inhaler 
or is it something you have to use the inhaler seven, eight times a day? I don't know. I don't know if it. So let's talk about this a little bit. So you have uh, an asthma attack because your airway is hyper responsive. Let's say you come in contact with allergen A. All of us do, but then five of us have an extra reaction to it. So you have hyper responsiveness of your bronchial airway. Uh, so the inhalers help in opening up the lung, uh, which, as, as I mentioned before, the bronchodilators like albuterol or Zopanex do that. And then steroids help in reducing the inflammation and all the reaction that is related to the allergen that the lung has been exposed to. There are also other medication called leukotriene inhibitors. There are certain chemicals in our body called leukotrienes, and they contribute significantly to the hyper-responsiveness of our body, and they have a big role in uh, treatment of asthma also. Like monoleucos, that is one of the leukotriene inhibitors. Uh, that's one of the newer drugs is quite helpful in sort of not letting that chain of reaction occur in your lungs and in your body. Mm-hmm. And so you said allergens, and when you said that, I was wondering if if allergies, if people that have allergies, are they more susceptible to having asthma? They definitely are. And unfortunately, the allergy can be to anything. In asthma, it could the trigger could be anything. It could be dust mite, animals, cockroaches, mold, pollen, uh, different kinds of foods we just it's difficult sometimes to do skin testing or in vitro testing and come up with the exact allergen to avoid uh, but you could do a food allergy panel and try to avoid those foods and you could also do an environmental survey and with the process of elimination process some of the different allergens that the patient is being exposed to mm-hmm. now, is that that's a big process right there too I know it's on another subject but yeah. that's a Big it, process to try and figure that out. It is a big process. And then there is also some variation. For example, this year, the allergen count is much higher this May than what it was in the last five Mays in this particular area. Hmm. So it also depends on what you are being exposed to, which depends on Mother Nature. Isn't it odd? Because it seemed like we just got winter over the weekend. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We had snow. I don't want to see snow in May. I know. I mean, that's just, where's global warming? (laughs) Let's find it. It's about time. It, we should have some warm up here. That's right. Yeah. And then when that happens, but though that's when everything starts blooming and then all the allergies kind of come to life, don't uh, they? Yes, that's true. And I do believe May and October are the peak months for allergens being out in the environment. And there is some correlation to the higher the allergen count, the more acute asthma exacerbations are seen in patients. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then it's too because people are getting outside at that time. I mean, they just can't wait to get outside. And then in October, they're getting out one last time before it gets cold. And yep. then they lock themselves in their house. All that fall cleanup. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So are there is there any pills or anything like that? I mean, is there a pill that you can take? That would just like a one-a-day thing, or there's not that? There is. Uh, there is leukotriene inhibitors, so those are pills that you can take once a day. Or there is also another pill called theophylline, so that also helps in the uh, bronchodilatation. Uh, there are other things that also help, like things that work for uh, allergies, like Zyrtec or uh, loratadine. They are over-the-counter medications that does help in uh, prevention of some of the asthma, especially... 
if a patient knows, oh, I'm going to have a problem in May and October, then it's good to take that medication even if you don't take it all the time for just those two months. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that I have any allergies. And I, I mean, I, I probably do runny eyes or something mm-hmm. like that, but I don't notice it. But is it something with if you have asthma, if you can you feel an attack coming on? And if it is, can is it something that say if you didn't have an inhaler with you at that time or something can you sit down and let it pass or no no it it won't go away that way it won't go away and it is a condition that can turn into a life-threatening event and um i'm going to give you the exact exact statistics Mm -hmm. Uh, so each day 10 Americans die from asthma. So that is 3,630 deaths from asthma each year. And many of these deaths are avoidable with proper treatment and care. So it, so is, it is something that you want to get checked out then if you if you have it. Yes. Obviously, you don't want to mess with it because it's something to do with your breathing. I mean, you, you do uh, need to keep yeah, your breath going. And you do need that oxygen to oxygenate yeah. all the tissues. And the only way oxygen gets in your body is through airway that is open. Uh, if airway is closed, then you know, you, you're not able to inhale enough air to pull out the oxygen from yeah. the air. I just didn't know if, if you know, that you could just kind of rest and, and settle down and, and hopefully, you know, it would get going back to normal, but it doesn't do that, obviously. It doesn't do that, uh, but it also depends on the severity of the case. Uh, so the severity can be classified as intermittent, mild persistent, moderate persistent, or severe persistent. If it's just intermittent, let's say you go for a run and you notice a little asthma, you take a little break from your run, you feel better, that's a different form versus, you know, you're not able to talk, you're not able to eat, you're wheezing, you're having respiratory distress and air hunger. I mean, that's a medical emergency. You need to get into the ER. Uh, They need to be given IV uh, solimedrol, IV steroids, oxygen, and and different treatments to sort of... uh, put an end to that particular attack. Mm-hmm. When you mention uh, bronchial spasm, spasm of the airway, what is the airway that you're speaking of? Your airway structure consists of the following. There's a mucosa, which uh, is composed of epithelial cells. There's a basement membrane. There's a smooth muscle matrix that is extending over the alveolar entrances. And there is a predominantly fibrocartilaginous structure that connects all of this together. And there are cells like the mast cells that release histamines, uh, other white blood cells. There are some stretch and irritant receptors also in the form of cholinergic motor nerves uh, and glands that stay in your lung. And basically, this comprises your airway. So it starts from the nose, it goes in the back of your throat to the trachea, it divides into two bronchi, and then your right and your left lung. And then your lung is composed of this alveoli, which are little balloon-like structures where the airway exchange occurs in your lung. Hmm. So does that make sense? Yes. Now, if somebody ha- is if somebody's having problems and they think it's asthma and they come into the doctor, is that something that you can find out that you know that day? That, I mean, if they came into you, you can tell they have asthma right away? Or is yes. it something that they have to do weeks of testing? Or No, you can tell right away okay. by on their physical exam. And there's also a quick test called spirometry. So we can measure their lung volumes before and after treatment, and that's a very quick, easy way of coming to a diagnosis. But a clinical exam is more than enough. 
All right. So if you're having any of these problems, get in and see your doctor. That's right. All right. <laughs> and we will come back and talk more with our doctor here, and that would be Dr. Rashmi Juneja from Michigan Primary Care Partners in Big Rapids. And you can also see him on michiganprimarycarepartners.com. I'm Rob Bennett. This is News Radio WBRN, sponsored by Metron of Big Rapids, caring for people one person at a time. <laughs>